0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Nate Chatelier, the lead game designer and co founder of Dice Throne, Inc. Dice Throne is a hit game of fast paced card and dice manipulation. His newest expansion, Marvel Dice Throne, is already crushing it on Kickstarter. Nate, welcome to the bench. How are you? Doing?
1: Fantastic to be here, James. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It is awesome having you here. My gosh, this camp like we're going to get into the campaign in a bit, but you must be very, very happy with the results that we've got uh, thus far. Yeah, this is crazy.
1: We are very, very excited. We we knew at this point now this is our fourth uh iteration in the Dice yeah. Room ecosystem. And so we knew with the following we have, it was going to do well, but we did not expect to fund in five minutes um, or expect uh, the level of, I mean, I think we were, we were, I don't know, 40 hours or something and then we had broken a million bucks. So that was mind blowing. It's still mind blowing, uh, huge shout out to our fans. Thank you guys for believing in us.
0: Yeah, you're at. I think it was about a million five U.S. Canadian. You're almost at two million dollars, which is just saying that number two million dollars on a board game is just crazy. I agree. Uh, And you still got ten days to go, and we all know the back uh, the the last seventy-two hour hockey stick. So uh, I have no doubt this is probably the largest campaign you guys have ever run. Right by the time for sure. Yep.
1: And we're this close to to passing, uh, our previous campaign, um, which we did 1.7, uh, on us. But, uh, I do expect because we have so much pre up, I expect the first 48 to be substantially stronger than the back 48, but nevertheless, this is this is going to be a very exciting campaign.
0: Yeah. From what I understand, the math is it's typically your last 72 hours is half of your first, uh, day is usually what I, that sounds is, about right. Right. So, uh, Regardless, uh, you obviously are, are very, very happy, and uh, congratulations to you and your team. For people who don't know you, um, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Like, where did you like, where did this come from? Right, like this is a this is a <laughs> smash hit, but it you know you started somewhere. Yeah. So you know, what was your background?
1: Yeah, we did. We um, so I by I'm a software engineer and a game designer by trade, but uh, digital games. I had no background in board gaming at all, uh, loved playing them. I think as an adult, I first got on board games with Catan, uh, which totally I was. It was eyes open, like, oh, it's not just Monopoly. There's, there's this whole new world. Yeah. Uh, and so I'd always thought it would be fun to make a board game, but um, was not that experienced in this industry. And then my original partner, Manny Trembley, who does all the illustrations for the game, uh, he and I worked at another company for, I was there for seven years and we made video games for kids, uh, Disney, Pixar, Nickelodeon, et cetera, okay. fighting Dory, it's, things like that. And we, they sadly got laid off. They shut down the uh, the gaming division. They laid off 18 of us. And during that time, uh, Manny and I decided, let's make a game. And so while we were playing like crazy, I really don't want to leave my town. I'm in Spokane, Washington. I love it here, but there's not a lot of uh, opportunities for gamers, and so my wife, uh, bless her heart, took uh, a bunch of extra shifts at the hospital. Meanwhile, Maddie and I, she get home, and we're playing with cut up pieces of paper, rolling dice at home. And she's like, "You, you guys need to get a job." It's uh, <laughs> kind of how she felt, um, but it it worked out.
0: Oh my gosh! And I just, I, I just want to acknowledge for people that are listening to the podcast that aren't seeing um can you can you describe your uh your outfit here i think uh, this is uh, i'm wearing
1: awesome. uh, a doctor strange costume here in honor of our doctor Strange hero. he's one of my favorites in the game i've got this i don't know if you can see this eye of agamotto i've got here and uh it, it was fantastic. Halloween recently when we so went I live to, to do it. Uh,
0: or when we uh we connected just before we went live and i saw the outfit i'm like oh my and he's got the portal behind him too right like <laughs> that's awesome so where did the ninja um is it is it Ninja Geek or what's the uh, uh, nerd ninjas? Where did nerd
1: ninjas? Nerd start? ninjas, yeah. yeah, yeah. When the I have a my general philosophy of life is uh, you find out what you want in life, where you want to be in any area, um, marriage, family, work, whatever it is, and then you work backwards from there, each small step on the way back. And then if you want it bad enough, then you make two or three plans on how you want to get there. And I wanted to not leave Spokane, Washington. So I started two companies. I started Nerd Ninjas and we we tried, let's kickstart this first game of ours, Dice Dron. And if one of them worked, we got to stay here. Um, so I had kind of a backup plan and I feel extremely fortunate that they actually both worked. So Nerd Ninjas now uh, has the privilege of working with Niantic. Um, I was a I got to do a game design on the game Settles of Catan, uh, on what that would look, uh, Niantic made Pokemon Go. And so taking a location-based game, mashing it up with Settles of Catan, what would that look like? Um, and we now have multiple new things in the works with Niantic, our relationship has gone really well. We're hiring, by the way, plug. Uh, I need some artists some engineers, etc. Look, check out the website, nerdninjas.com if you're interested. Um, but it's been very, very fun to work that. And soon, uh, we will be working on Dice Run Digital as a studio. Uh, but we can talk more about that later.
0: How do you find time to balance like this is I mean, just your Kickstarter alone. I like I know the amount of time invested in in, in putting something like that together, right? How how do you manage that? I know like, like Elon Musk, where he's got SpaceX and he's got Tesla and all these how do you manage, <laughs> that guy's crazy. you know, how do you manage the different companies like this? Like you must be a very busy guy.
1: Yeah, in the beginning it was um it was very, very difficult to be honest. Um it was I, I paid a lot. Um, in hours and in life and in home front and I felt like I was a little bit of a father who wasn't around and I'm not sure I would ever recommend people do what I did uh, in the beginning and I'm very grateful I mean I can't say enough about my my partner Manny Manny Trimbley at that time who worked his tail off Um, but we knew quickly that this was not sustainable and so we uh, that's we reached out to Gavin Brown of Roxley Games Mm. and what I love about Roxley is they they believe in Uh, very, very high quality, the best quality. And that is in Gavin's DNA. And it was what we wanted as well. And the first game, I feel like we made the best thing we knew how to. But I knew Gavin could elevate it to a new level from a product design and graphic design perspective. And he he did. He surely has. And how that story went, uh, he made kind of a little bit of a snide comment on Facebook in a a gaming group that uh, I actually really agreed with. And it was kind of against the grain. And so I reached out to him privately. We started talking. Um, We had run our first Kickstarter and raised about 181 grand at the time. And uh, I said, hey, I really want Roxy to publish it. I want to partner with you. I don't want Roxy just to publish it, actually. uh, But I want to partner with you, bring you in as an equal partner, because I have a Mm -hmm. five-year plan. For this game and uh he kind of laughed and he's like I don't know man and I said let me drive to Calgary it was I don't know a very long drive from Spokane and uh Manny and I are going to road trip up there we're going to play the game with you and you're going to want to be a part of this and he's like you can if you want but no promises and his exact words were and I probably won't join in on this and I said okay <laughs> so Manny and I said let's go for it so we drove up there we were both pretty broke frankly um and we we met him And he ended up obviously, uh, he joined us and now we're equal partners in in Dystrum, and he's been pivotal to allowing us to run this company. We've used a lot of Roxy staff, who's been amazing. Shout out to them, they're incredible. And our team has grown. Uh, And that's what allows me to do both companies is without that support group, this would never happen.
0: Got it. So it really is a symbiotic relationship where the two of you are kind of leaning heavily on each other, right?
1: Absolutely. And we manage just a little thing I'll say for running a company with partners. That can go good or it can go bad. But yeah. for for us, it goes really well. I think for a number of reasons. One is we each have our area. So I, the game design, is my my area. Uh, Gavin's is product design and graphic design. Manny's is illustration and world building. And we definitely give each other feedback in all of the different areas. Um, but at the end of the day, we trust. Here's my thoughts. But Gavin, it's graphic design, so that's that's your that's your area. You make the final decision. Um, and that kind of trust and respect, um, it works really well for us.
0: Yeah, I, I always hear that respect is kind of the key, right, for good partnerships, right? Yeah. You know, like you have to have a strong respect for each other, right? And and willingness Absolutely. to want to see each other succeed and uh, and do well. And if you have that, then most partnerships will, uh, will do okay. Um, I agree. On this game, so... You're nearing in on, I think, in total, as adding up all the different campaigns. And this is just Kickstarter. This doesn't include even outside of Kickstarter, which I'm sure your sales are significant there as well. It looks like it's kind of narrowing in around $5 million in total for the franchise just on Kickstarter uh, by the time this campaign is done. Um, did you Is that something you kind of visualized uh, going into, after, like maybe not in the first campaign, but by the time you did the second campaign, did you kind of have the thought that, okay, this is- Yeah, uh,
1: I did actually on the second campaign. I, I think yeah. of the very first one, um, our goal was 15 grand, which to be honest, if that's all we raised, we would have lost money um, on that campaign. Yeah. We did not know we were doing enough. Uh, and it, after it raised 180, that was just mind blowing. I, honestly, I, I could not believe that it had done that. And then the second campaign, we expected it to do better, but not, I think it was like 760 it raised. I didn't expect that. And then with Adventures, I sure didn't expect 1.7 million, um, but that's where it did. So, did I expect this to go very well? I did absolutely. Um, And I'm a big five year plan kind of guy. Um, Did it exceed my expectations? 100% um, it did and continues to do so.
0: Super cool. So, for people who haven't played Dice Throne, can you give us kind of a, a brief description of what Dice Throne is all about?
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of times reviewers liken it to, to combat Yahtzee. Uh, but I think there's a yeah. there's a lot more nuance than that. Um, I wanted a game that was very, very quick to, to hit the table. You could set it up in 30 seconds flat, literally. Um, you get your here, I get mine. We both set it up. We're playing in 30 seconds. I think nowadays there's a lot of games I like quite a bit, but it takes so much effort to set these games up and yeah. to take these games down that they don't hit my table uh, very often. So I wanted that. Um, I wanted something I could play with. Uh, people who maybe aren't hardcore gamers, they could feel like they can get in right away and play and still have a great time. But people like myself, who I really love deep strategy and complexity, um, we can have certain heroes that are more complex. And I like the challenge. It's almost like a handicap in golf. You can play some heroes that are lower complexity and have a really great shot at beating me because I'm playing a hero that is harder to play well um, in the matchup. And then lastly, I wanted to feel like I am the hero that I'm playing. Mm -hmm. I'm not just kind of moving stuff around. I want to feel like I'm in it, you know, for whoever that is.
0: And then how did this uh, Marvel relationship come about? Like that's, I mean, that's as big as you can get in terms of licensing, right? Where did that come from? Like, and how long were you working on this?
1: Yeah, we, for years, (laughs) it's the truth of it. Um, would we, when I wrote that initial five-year plan, Uh, It was in the end of that was year five actually was we were going to run a a Marvel version of this game. And uh, it's those kind of things. I like trying things where people laugh at you, frankly. Um, Mm. I feel like sign me up. I'm in. Um, Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, But that was sort of the plan to begin with. And the reason we picked Marvel is there's a couple of things. One, um, I, I personally just love Marvel. It was not about cash grab. Um, I am just a fan of the brand. I've been to every single movie that's ever been released in the theater with my wife on a date night. She loves it. Um, I had the privilege of introducing my kids to this. Uh, now that they're old enough, we watched all whatever 22 movies or whatever it is um, in order with them. They loved it now. Uh, Marvel has just meant a lot to me. Um, and the idea of working on Marvel property, A, was already awesome. Um, B, it felt like my, my childhood dreams of wanting to be these heroes could, could happen yeah. in, in Dice Room and C is it, and this is important to me, and I don't mean offense to any other designers, but it was not just a uh, slapped on skin. It, it made sense, uh, yeah. to, to become Captain Marvel, to become Black Panther. And actually like, you feel like you are those heroes. Um, and I knew we could do that, which was not always my experience I gave with other Marvel board games.
0: Uh, can I assume that Dr. Strange is your favorite character?
1: he is he is i love his unique mechanic yes
0: yeah it's definitely timely there there's no doubt uh, about that um so and then uh, did you just call up marvel or like did, is this where Roger yeah. came
1: in or how did that kind of come about yeah so we um actually it all started out at a convention um and it was uh thanos rising if you've mm. ever played that game published by usaopoly uh, and we, I just went up to the booth and I said, Hey, who, who made this game? And how do I, I want to talk to whoever made this game. And, um, Tony, uh, Siri Briani, uh, was in the booth and we started talking. I started learning more about the licensing, the op specializes in that kind of a thing. And so we started getting contact and I said, Hey, I'd love it. If you would, you would help us. I have no ends here, um, into Marvel and we could partner on this game and, uh, it started looked like it was going well. And then sadly, after a while, we couldn't quite get all the agreements worked out. And so then it didn't go well. And then we started talking to spin master, still trying to pursue this. And, um, I feel like they did us wrong, frankly, um, as a truth of it. Um, it was an unfortunate situation that all happened. And then we ended up at that time, it was perfect timing. Um, the op had called us back and said, Hey, we actually want partner to partner after all, let's, let's get back together. Um, and so we did, we, so they, already have the existing relationship with Marvel. Mm. And we had the privilege of working with many amazing folks at Marvel and The Op, um, including their their brand manager, Brian. And so really without The Op, none of this would be happening. Did this
0: start after the first campaign or this after your second campaign? When when did you after guys? After the second. I was going to say, campaign. then you have the scale where you can yep. say, okay, they'll yep. probably take the phone call when we're at these kind of numbers, yep. right?
1: Yeah, the first meeting we ever had with them was in between campaign two and three. Um, and then I think by the time we had launched three and we made 1.7 million, it looks like, okay, these guys can actually do this. Um, and it was much more easier to make these things work out. But it was years in the making.
0: Oh yeah, I can imagine. These are not fast processes, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, now with this campaign, uh, there's some cool goodies in here. And the one thing I noticed, and we're gonna talk about this in a few moments, is the how clean this page is, right? There's a lot yeah. about the IP, right? About the the Marvel characters, and you go through each of the player boards, which I think is pretty necessary for this, for people to actually see. Okay, you know, this is what uh, you know Captain Marvel's player board looks like. This right. is what uh, you know Black Panther. This is Thor's. This is Loki's, and so forth. Um, and seeing what each components are for each of the different things, but this there's not a lot of videos uh, on your page right uh you've literally got one video right with rodney smith uh, with the how to play yeah what led to the decision to not you know load this with a bunch of reviews which is i think what most people would probably do
1: yeah uh there's a number of things that went into that um one of them is just practicality in timing uh mm. it's very very different than working with a licensor and it uh presents unique challenges um, normally if we make our own stuff, like that's it, we make it, it's approved by us. We like it. It's very different when you're working with a brand like Marvel and the time it takes to get to where things are greenlit, um, and approved, it's, it's a much more complicated process and time consuming, uh, process. And I think it shows I'm happy with the process, um, yeah. not disparaging that at all, but it is a process. And so everything just took long, um, to do all this stuff. And so by the time where we were ready to run the campaign. We were, were kind of running out of time um, as part of it. And so we had sent out uh, Black Panther and Captain Marvel boxes to uh, many, many different reviewers, some yeah. who have already shared now in our updates, um, some who are still yet to come. But it was exciting. I think we worked it out. Hey, during the campaign, everybody has a mid-campaign lull. That's just a fact. And we knew that we were going to. And so we thought, let's have these videos be posted, go live throughout the middle of the campaign and hopefully that will help lift the middle of it. So it's not to say that we didn't want video content, but let's roll out the content because we knew already we were going to have a strong first day. Let's help the middle which is probably going to suffer the most.
0: Who who's responsible for the art? like so I imagine the license you know the licensor wants to sign off on everything, right? So I'm sure yep. they're signing off on your page. They're signing off on literally everything, everything. right? Yes. Um, Who does the artwork though? Is it your team creating the artwork or do you utilize their artists?
1: Yeah, that was one thing that was mandatory to us. As exciting as it was to work on with Marvel, we would not do it actually if Manny Trimbley could not still lead all the illustrations. And I feel like his style, we wanted the style of this to suit the Dystrom ecosystem of style. There's a lot of ways to do Marvel heroes and we wanted it to be Dystrom Mm. Marvel heroes. Uh, and so we manny did a whole bunch of concept sketches in our original pitch and we showed here's his capabilities of artwork there are, there are some cool heroes that um, the world may never see i don't know uh that he that he made in the beginning that helped prove we can do this art style we can do it in a comic book style but a dice from comic book style and to be honest uh it was a it was an easier green light than i expected i thought it was going to be much more difficult to get that green light but manny's very talented at what he does and so we got an easy green light
0: now go and I know there you can't talk too deeply about the license when you're in, in the middle of a license. Um, is is there the kind of collaboration though where they'll say okay, like we did here, but can you know for this character, can you change this one thing because it's kind of aligned with our vision and things like that? Was there a lot of that going back and forth?
1: Tons of it. In fact, um, Manny has already scheduled on our Kickstarter. He has uh, he's going to do he's going to draw live and do a fun talk with the audience and everything. And he's going to talk about that process in depth more than I'm competent to do so. But I, what I can say is yeah. we had weekly calls, um, at least with Marvel, and we showed them everything that was made, both from game design and drawings to graphic design to even the ability names, the dice names. I mean, everything you see goes through their approval process. Uh, and it's pretty common to get feedback. and And a lot of times I'm thankful. It was minimal because I feel like we knew what we were aiming for, uh, but it was, hey, you're close, but change this. Sometimes it was, that just doesn't work. You know, change it, do it again. Or sometimes it was things you wouldn't have thought of, like for Black Panther, uh, the order of which arm is on top of each other, I would have never considered that that's mm. a brand thing. Um, and there's it's very particular about that. So there's a lot of nuance to it.
0: That's crazy. I didn't know that either. Wow. Um, yeah. And then on this page, you, have, you literally have one pledge. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's one pledge. Yeah. level. that's it. Now, what was the decision behind that?
1: Yeah, we, I still don't know if it's right or wrong, to be honest. Well, obviously um, it's doing something,
0: our, right? Cause it's one of the largest it's, right, it's working out. Like Kickstarter, right?
1: <laughs> that's very true. Um, in our past campaigns, um, we have often offered just an entry pledge effectively, right? Um, yeah. where you can just get two heroes. You want to dip your toes and see what it's like. Um, that could be an option for you. Uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of people, they just want the battle chest anyway, with, yeah. with all eight. And this time around, since we are partnering with the op, um, they, they get actually all the rights to run with the retail content and those smaller boxes are retail content. Mm. Um, and, and we get all the rights to the the battle chest, the deluxe edition. So aside from which strategy was right from, from a, a biggest business structure, it's how it is actually on this campaign.
0: Explain what this battle chest is for people watching and listening.
1: What's yeah all about? uh so the the we have two basically two hero packs that you could buy in the past and there were four of them so there was eight heroes total per season we called it uh the battle chest is effectively the the deluxe edition where all eight heroes are in this big box uh, i don't know if you saw the campaign if you'd screen share or oh, I could.
0: yeah it's on screen um, don't worry
1: <laughs> okay good uh yeah. but this this would show very carefully um it's got this character select on the side. I wanted to feel like you could see, I think this was Gavin's idea, but you could see which hero it is just from the side, pick that hero out. Then if you lay the heroes out on the table, you see just their face, their name. It feels like it's a video game, almost character select type thing. Um, And if you don't want all these different heroes, uh, it's a complete, I could grab the Miles Morales box, uh, just his tray and go to game night with just that. And you can play with just the one that you have. And that's a complete game I have in his little tray but our goal is fast to the table, fast to pack up. That's the goal.
0: I think a cool analogy would be um, uh, like a DVD, uh, like, a, like a box set, right? Like where you have yeah. a box set with the DVDs in there. And this is kind of like that, but laying kind of down where the DVDs would like kind of slide in the top. Yep. And you got the character images on the front, so you can just easily, and they're all color coded. Like, or, so if you're pulling your, for yep. lack of a better word, your DVD or your, your individual yep. character kit, it's color coded. So it's easy to find the ones you're looking for. And then inside the tray, you've got uh, this kind of organization set up. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, we do. So there's, um, in fact, in two updates back, there's there's a video we posted of unboxing of one of these trays. Um, but in the tray, we, we wanted the storage system um, to be, so we, we partnered with game trays when we first made this. Um, but we wanted the system to do a couple things. One, each thing has a very obvious compartment for everything. Uh, Two is it would support sleeves. There's a lot of people who definitely want sleeves and wanted to make sure that um, we could support that. Three is we wanted to make it dynamic and expandable enough that it could fit not just our current line of heroes, but our future line of heroes. And there's Mm. room for various, we don't ever want to make the same hero ever. Um, We love when we make a new hero saying, what rules can we break? How can we surprise people with what this hero is capable of that other ones can't? Uh, and so there needs to be a little extra room in the tray. So we, we tried to do that. Um, and then there's the nice touches. So like, if you want the the cards, you can push down on one corner and they, they pop up same with the dials, the dice have a little ramp. So you can generally drop them kind of sloppy and they sort of slide right into mm, where nice. they're supposed to be. Um, so we did a lot of things to just make it again, speed, fast The table, fast back.
0: Yeah. Thor's hammer is again, a, this is unique to the Kickstarter, right?
1: Yeah, so we generally, Roxley normally does not do Kickstarter exclusives, which I applaud them actually for their attitude because I've missed Kickstarters in the past and just felt like just because of bad, I never noticed it. And now I miss out on this cool content. So Roxley generally doesn't do that, but they do that um, no game content exclusives. So what we're doing here is not game content. Um, it's just some fun things. So there's an actual die cast metal Thor hammer. That is a Kickstarter exclusive that you can get. You don't need it to play the game, but it's awesome to have. Yeah, cool. uh, and in the game, Thor's hammer bounces around between different enemies. It's really satisfying to have that thing. Um, same with the, the Loki cards. Uh, we made those synthetic um, cards for his illusion cards. It's a very cool mechanic where you can screw with someone else's mind on the other side of the table. They don't need to be synthetic, but it's pretty awesome uh, yeah. that they are. The box is numbered. Um, it, it includes a promo pack for free, but other people can buy that later. So all the things that we do on the Kickstarter they're they're either not exclusive if it's game content or they are exclusive but it's not game content
0: i think i like the numbering too it's cool so you got this limited edition so you know that you're only one of x number of people that will ever own this right
1: yep which exactly right which is
0: pretty cool um so where you know all these different things you've done with with dice throne I know on the adventures it, it you took a little bit of a kind of off the path of what the regular dice throne was. Do you see more of that happening or are you going to stick pretty much to the, the character kind of battle boards?
1: Yeah. When, when we did that five-year plan back in the day, um, we, I always knew I'm actually, I play more co-op games than anything else in my life. <laughs> and part of it is because my, my son and daughter are now of an age that they'll, they'll play with me. Yeah. Um, They're nine and 13. Um, And they, we love family co-op games mm-hmm. in our house all the time. And so co-op games just hit the table more. So I wanted to make a co-op game. I've played this through with my kids. We had a blast doing it. They helped me demo in the beginning. um, And I also wanted a solo game. I know there's a lot of solo gamers out there. And so we intentionally wanted to make a solo and cooperative experience that could use the Dice Run Heroes you already have. I didn't want you to have to buy new content, but then you could play them in a brand new way. That was the goal with Dice Run Adventures. And that goal um, hasn't stopped of what can I allow people to do with content that they already own and get whole brand new experiences with it. Um, And so we're not ready to announce what that means yet. But I'm not done thinking like that. This is a sandbox and we want to play in it.
0: That's super cool, you know, to be able to say, okay, because obviously you've got a massive audience that now owns this game, right? Owns a character pack or or, or two. And um, to be able to then say, okay, now here's something else that allows you to utilize these things that you've already invested in. It's almost giving their investment another life, right? So exactly, they get tired of That's it exactly and it's like, oh, well, now uh, you know, I've played that out, but now, you know. Dice Throne has now given me something else, allows me to bring these characters back into this, this universe and, uh, you know, play maybe in a different way, which is, which is kind of cool. That's exactly right. What's your, it's fun. your goal is your goal to just stick with Dice Throne or do you have other thoughts of obviously now you've built a platform here, which, uh, in a team yeah. that works very, very well together. Is there other ideas that you and your partner have, uh, for bringing games to market or, or kind of what are, what are you guys looking to do?
1: Yeah. So we, um, we founded a new company called Dice Run, Inc. Yeah. Um, so that company is surrounded around Dice Run, and I'm really inspired when I look at uh, Settlers of Catan. I now know the whole, the Toyba family quite well and respect what they've done. They just celebrated their 25th year anniversary and that game is the strongest it has ever been 25 years. in, yeah. and I, I love that. That's inspiring to me actually. And I feel like the, the ease, I think people are getting more impatient as the as time goes on in our world. Uh, we want things, we want things now, we want things quick. Um, and the ability to play, you know, the six-hour behemoth session of, of games is just getting harder uh, yeah. to do. And so I feel like Dice Run is going to be around for a long time. And so my hope is over time, we will continue to release uh, both more heroes and more ways to play those heroes. Um, but I also want to just reach new people, frankly. Um, I feel like we're nowhere near reaching the amount of people who would find out that they actually really enjoyed this game. And even people who are diehard, I hate dice chucking games. I think there's enough control and mitigation and cards and strategy. It's no surprise that uh, the same person often has won our tournaments. That doesn't happen in a game that's just luck, right? Mm. Um, so I think that all comes into play. So we have a long, long plan for, for Dice Room, um, including all announced Dice Room Digital is for sure on the roadmap. We definitely want to do more original heroes. Um, of our own making when it comes to will we do more we have so many questions of will you do license x that that's my favorite license or why isn't you know captain america in the game i want a captain america can they can he be here in the future maybe um the truth is we don't know i really don't know yeah. um we're going to see how this goes and the most important thing is nice one was a passion project i want it to always be a passion project at the point that i'm not passionate about what i'm making it'll show I don't want to be there. I don't want to do it. Um, Games outside of Dice Throne, I think, we will probably all continue to make, Mm -hmm. but it won't be in the confines of Dice Throne, Inc. Um, I'm working on some more digital stuff right now in my other company, Nerd Ninjas. Manny's made some other designs. Gavin continues. They just launched Radlands, released not that long ago. So we'll all do it, but I don't know if we'll do it together. We'll see.
0: Creating a franchise is like catching lightning in a bottle, right? It is I feel very lucky. Yeah, you you are you are you are in uh, amongst a select few, right? And to have a franchise like this that has, quite frankly, a lot of legs, is like amazing. And you know I want to congratulate you guys on that. I I just think it's thank you so incredible what you guys have been able to achieve. If people want to follow along with dice Throne, even past this campaign and you know and and really just kind of be up to date on what's going on every time you guys launch something new maybe they have character packs and they want to hear the next big thing coming how best do they do that
1: thanks for asking we have uh so we certainly have our our newsletter if you go to nerdninjas.com, you can sign up there um we have our facebook group our discord group but really the the heart and soul of of what we do and of course board game geek um but the heart and soul is actually our community group on facebook um, which you can search up dice Run community or go to community.diceroom.com. Um, but we actually love engaging directly with our fans. Kind of our mission in the very beginning was we want to, as much as we're able, we want to be transparent, honest, connect with people. Um, I don't want to feel like I'm ever above my fans. I want to be in it with my fans. And and that's where that happens. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Nate, if
0: anybody wants to check out this campaign, I encourage them to do so. The page looks Awesome. I mean who's thank not you. a Marvel fan like you know so you've got Dice Throne fans you've got Marvel fans you, you got this just perfect kind of sandwich we're making here and uh, if they want to fall along uh, also have in the show notes uh, a link directly to the Kickstarter page of course if you just type in Dice Throne on Kickstarter you can find it easily there check it out uh, if it's something you think you're going to love playing throw these guys some dollars and uh, back the game they don't want to thank you again for coming on the podcast eh?
1: thank you so much James for having me it was a pleasure you take care
0: cheers This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by James Staley produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group board game binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.